Next to your vehicle's engine, your transmission is the most important component of your car. If it's not properly maintained, your car may not shift properly. By adding Lucas Transmission Fix to your transmission, it cleans and lubricates sticking valves for proper shifting, renews worn bands to stop slipping, stops seal leaks, will not void new car warranties, contains no harmful solvents. Lucas Transmission Fix. It works. Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to Racing Boys, and if you ain't listening to them, you get out of the country because you're a communist. I love Racing Boys. Like Mater says, they make me happier than a tornado in a trailer park. You know, the funny thing about that is the Larry voice and the Mater voice are exactly the same. Get her done! Welcome to Hour 2 of Track Talk on the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. Brought to you by Lucas Oil Products. Made in America, sold to the world. Here again are the Racing Boys, Scott Trailer and Kirk Elliott. Hey, 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 welcome back. It's Track Talk. You're on RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. I'm Scott. He's Kirk, Adam, Todd, Austin. We've got them all here today. And don't forget, now you can find Track Talk wherever you find your favorite podcast. We're pretty excited about that, Kirk, right? Absolutely. It's pretty cool. I got to thank Adam for getting us all hooked up on that and, and making it all happen. So, Anytime uh, we bring in more opportunities for people to listen that's a good thing adam uh, can uh, people when you on those podcasts can you watch them and listen to them what can can you guys maybe adam get up there on that microphone real quick and talk to me tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on with the podcast there adam a lot can you hear me yep we can hear you okay turn it up just a little bit uh right now it's um if you search for Racing Boys <laughs> podcast, we there's going to be two. The Mostly Motorsports is coming up. But right now, Racing Boys podcast is pretty much available anywhere. But we're still working out the kink because we just signed up for it. So, right, this week. Um, we're just waiting on a couple things that i got to have approved by you guys. And then we'll get the Mostly Motorsports up there. Is it mostly audio? Yes, but um, we, should be able to do, we should be able to do video once... Um, uh, once everything comes up live with the mostly motorsports, so uh, it's, right. we're still linking to YouTube. But the thing about that is we're streaming it to YouTube anyway now, so you can always archive back to these shows there right now anyway. So. Right, right, right. So yeah. thanks, Adam, for doing all that yeah. for us, man. We appreciate it. I hope it, it yeah. Yeah, because it's uh, – now, are you doing your podcast over there too? Not, not now, no. You're I'm not? I'm not doing anything right now. You're I'm not? working on music right now, so I'm just – I don't have enough time. Yeah. I, might, I might bring it back eventually. But. Did you get your, your solo album? Is it done yet? It's done, but I'm not dropping it till January. Uh, but it's on, already finished. It's it's done, thankfully, it, yeah. It, it's all laid down anyway. Have you put it all together? Yep, it's all put it, together. It's, it's all just done. on a hard drive. I just got to upload it and everything, so yeah, yeah, yeah. working it out. Hey, I, I, you and I were talking a little bit before or the show that uh, I've been watching a lot of these studio shows. You know, you've got your own studio, music studio. Uh, Muscle Shoals was a great one I watched. And then I watched one the other night about Motown and all the people that went through Motown, man. It, I, For some reason, those shows, you know, they talk really what they do on those shows, they talk about the the musicians in the studio mm-hmm. and what they meant to the sound of Motown and Muscle Shows, 
you know, yeah. uh, it, it was a group of musicians that really don't ever get really the credit that they deserve because they're in the studio and they're laying the music down, but the artist is getting all the credit. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Those th- those shows are so interesting, too, because it kind of just comes from ground zero and just starts working its way into yeah into uh, whatever it is, and it all starts from nothing. It's, it's, it's really it, interesting. Yeah, it's really good stuff. All right, Adam, thanks for everything you do, buddy. Yeah. appreciate you. We're going to bring Lee Spencer on a little bit earlier. She's got a commitment uh, later on in the hour. She's in Phoenix, by the way, covering all the events. She doesn't go to all the races anymore. No, but she had to be there for the last one, though. Yeah. And she was at that uh, media day where the top four of the uh, finalists were there answering questions. They didn't have a full press conference with all four of the guys up on the stage. I, Mm -hmm. I... Miss that. I did, you know, that that was the best part about the whole media days when you get all four of the guys up there together. Why they didn't do that, I don't know. They using COVID as an excuse for that. I don't know, but I, I missed that press conference with all four of them up there at the same time. They didn't do that this year. What'd you miss about it, Kurt? The back and forth and just the reactions, sitting next to each other and mm. watching one guy react to what another one has comments and the mind games that could be going on uh there are a lot of mind games that go on during that when you got all four of them up there together so i thought they should have had that they didn't do it this time you you you've been in the head of a couple drivers before haven't you kurt no yes you have you have Mm-mm. you're you're Mm-mm. the you're the no, no, captain no. of playing you, mind games you you were the guy that uh went around saran petro on the outside at I-70 Speedway for the win on, on the Celebrity Night. And you were, listen, Saran Petro never thought in a million years you were going to go around him on the outside. I just did what you told me to do. Just fl- flat-foot it, Kirk. You can't spin this thing out, That's Kirk. what you said. You you put your head in the window there, and I was all strapped in, ready to go. He <laughs> said, keep that foot down to I, the floor. You can't spin it out. And you did it. And you were driving. I listened to you, man. You did, and you I won. took your advice. Yeah. If if you hadn't have said that to me, there's th- no way I would. I think Frank Bowl would have won that race if right. he wouldn't have broke. But yeah. you ended up passing Seren Petro for the win. Highlight of my racing career. It was the only race <laughs> of your career. <laughs> and it and it uh, happened at I seventy Speedway. Of all tracks, place. yeah. Of all tracks, you did it out at I seventy Speedway. All right, let's go to the phones. Our own Lee Spencer's out in Phoenix. How you doing, Lee? I'm great. How are you guys? We're, well, we're doing great. Um, don't you don't you miss the all four of the guys up there at the same time at Media Day? Why, why didn't they do that at the press conference? Uh, social distancing, my friend. Oh um, my God. Well, I mean, it's uh, I'm okay you know, with the that. only ones walking around without a mask, so they get the you know they get the benefit of of kind of calling the shot. So. Um, that's kind of, that's where we're at. You know, better safe than sorry, right? I'm, I'm good with exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally good with that. Um, so Lee, what do you, what'd you think about Denny Hamlin last week? What'd you think about all that? I, you know, just Denny being Denny trying to, you know, do what he said, create chaos. He have thrived in chaos. So if he can make chaos and all the better for Denny. Right. And so, um, I don't think anybody else like chaos but um 
in the you know same manner he does. I think Kevin Harvick does exceptionally well under those conditions. Um, you know, maybe Brad Keselowski because you know he's kind of a thinking man. But um, you know, I think Hamlin likes to stir the pot. I, I think that that plays into his favor and. There are certain guys that thrive on that, and he's one of them, and that's what he's looking to do. And he goes into that deal where he and Chase Elliott are the only ones with enemies, and most of the veterans have now known that if you, you know, um, if you mess with Chase, you're going to get the throngs of, of uh, the People's Champs fan base, and that's not a great place to be. I mean, Alex Bowman, um, after... Hamlin called him a hack. He went and made a T-shirt and probably made more on that right. T-shirt, you know, the, and the private sales of that T-shirt than he'll make on any other piece of merchandise <laughs> all year. So, um, you know, that being said, I think that, um, you know, it, it's good for the sports. It, it's good for the headlines. And, um, you know, it drives traffic. So uh, people put their eyeballs on the sports. And, you know, from that standpoint, it's okay. I, I, don't, um, I think... I don't. Go ahead. I don't know who who the the uh, uh, reporter was that had the balls to ask Denny if he bought one of those hack shirts, but Denny got a little smile off of that one. It, it kind of cracked him up a little bit, didn't it? Oh, I mean, it's you know, Denny, 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 Denny lives in a different universe than the rest of us. He wants to be, you know, that big baller kind of NBA guy like his hero Michael Jordan, and right. um. He's just not there yet, right? You know, if he wins, uh, you know, a handful of championships before he retires, and let's face it, he's 40 years old right now. Um, he'll probably run as long as he, you know, as, as long as he wants to, and um, as long, you know, so the money doesn't run out, and yeah. um, you know, then turn over to the the team ownership side, and um, you know, it's he likes to be in the spotlight. That's his his gig. But he said that the tar- tables turned on him with the fan base when he and, and Chase got together at Martinsville several years back. And um, to get booed on your own home turf—that's embarrassing. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, yeah. it just is. Yeah, but d- well, does but, Denny Hamlin really thrive on this? On. He says he thrives on chaos. Does he really but, thrive but, on it? Hold on, let me add to that what Kirk just said. I. Th- I- I'm going to say it. Not many people will, but I'm not sure that Denny Hamlin's smart enough to play that game. Well, see, and, and I, w- I would agree with you there. He may say he thrives on it, but I don't think he's the brightest bulb in the room. I just don't. I think he thinks he is. Yeah, right. Um, you know, but I, I just, when you look at, you know, the people that, the, the chess masters out there. I think a Kevin Harvick is more of a chess master, right? Yep. Yep. Although it backfired on him with Chase. Um, you know, Chase has, has Kevin in his head going into this deal. Martin Truex and and uh, Kyle Larson are going in there without an enemy to their, you know, not, a, not an enemy in their camp. So I think that those two, from that standpoint, have an advantage. Now, when you look at Records on on 750 racetracks. Denny gets the nod, but um, Denny has been a perennial choker. He's had four opportunities to get this done yep. and has choked in each one. And I mean, Reed thinks he's going to win on on Sunday. My oh, you're you're backing off on that now, huh? Oh, he's backing <laughs> oh, up a little oh, bit. Okay. 
All he right. said he's never had Denny, but he thought, you know, he says Denny's got the best record there. He's got the best speed, but Chase Elliott is going to win. Yeah, he, he thinks Chase Elliott's going to win. I got to stick with my boy Larson. And, um, but, I, you know, I think, I think Larson and Truex are neck and neck because they have no enemies going into this. That, that's what I loved about Kyle Larson going into Martinsville. What's your, what are you trying to accomplish at Martinsville? And Kyle says, I don't want to create any enemies this weekend. Right, I love that. Hey, you read my column, right? Right, right. <laughs> I did. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, absolutely right. He wanted to come out of Martinsville, enemy free. Uh, Martin Truex, Martin Truex Jr. Same deal. Wanted to come out of there without pissing off anybody, and I think both both drivers accomplished that. I mean, Chase didn't piss off anybody else. He didn't get mad at Brad Keselowski when Brad Keselowski moved him because he knows that that's Martinsville, and the way Brad did it is how you move somebody there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. I don't think what Bowman did was was wrong in the with the, in the closing laps and going for the win. I think he did what he needed to do. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's also kind of funny. I wrote about that while all the you know all these drivers are going, um, you know, they're racing for themselves. Hamlin said that this is a matchup against Joe Gibbs Racing and and Hendrick Motorsports. Absolutely. And he's probably the only one looking at it that way because, you know, understandably, Bowman and all of his fans can't stand Hamlin, and neither can the Chase Elliott people. So when you look at it from that standpoint, when you look at what Rick Hendricks said earlier in his his press conference, um, I think that, you know, Hamlin... Hamlin's probably right from his perspective, but I think it's only from Hamlin's perspective that he's looking at it that way. Are the manufacturers looking at the Hendrick versus Joe Gibbs racing matchup? Absolutely. But I think, you know, from a driver's standpoint, um, the only person who it's me against Hendrick Motorsports is is Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Lee, you know, I brought this up a little bit earlier in the show, and you tell me it, it seems like the drivers, since they've moved the finish line over there off of the old turn two, right, that the track race is different. Why is that? Why do drivers feel the track race is a little bit different now than it did, even though it's the same configuration that it was before? Well, I, I think it's changed the dynamic of the restarts. As you guys know, the the back what's now the back stretch is a lot tighter. And I think when they started the reconfiguration, we started seeing that the the competition fanned out. We had three, four, five wide, you know, barreling um, into I guess it was turn one yesterday. Um, and you know, watching the the cup uh, practice. Larson is really the only one who was venturing up to the top. And I know that the, you know, that aspect doesn't answer your question, but I think it's, you know, because the backstretch, what was the backstretch is so spread out now that it changes. And, and I think that um, restarts are going to be very important and Larson's going to restart. But um, even though Brad Keselowski was the, the fastest in practice yesterday, um, Kyle Larson was, you know, he was head and shoulders above the other guys because he was running. He could run up in the goo, and um, I think that that's going to benefit him tomorrow because some guys, you know, they're afraid to run up there. They know if they get too close to the wall that they're going to hit it. And, um, you know, Larson Larson likes the high line. You know, mm-hmm. Bell likes the high line. It, it's going to benefit those guys. Tyler Reddick, I mean, Tyler Reddick, yes, last year when we came here in – um, you know, it's freshman season in the spring. He really put on a good show. You know, he couldn't, 
um, you know, it was the first time in running a cup car there, and it took him a little bit to get used to it. But I, I think that um, just kind of, you know, looking at those guys that come from a dirt background, their ability to run the top on Sunday is going to pay off for them. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And, and, you know, the other thing that's impressed me about Kyle Larson all season long is he's been mindful of his situation and the points where, where where he has known and he has executed when to go for it and when not to go for it. And this has been all season long, not to put himself in bad positions. Now, last week he got caught a couple of speeding penalties, but it really didn't matter at that time. Maybe he was testing the limits at that time because he could afford to do that. Mm -hmm. But not making critical mistakes in key situations, not just on the driver, it's on the crew, everything. But the the whole Cliff Daniels crew and the driver have executed when they've needed to all season long. Well, you have to do that to win championships, right, Lee? Well, you know, something that was really interesting was um, in Kyle Larson's media availability, um, he said basically that last year when he, you know, already had signed with Hendrick Motorsports on the season finale at Phoenix, he went into the team's war room and um, sat with those guys for the season finale. And he said at that point, that's when he knew that, um, you know, this was going to work out well for him because he saw how organized everybody was and he saw what their, you know, what the the different, um, you know, tools they had in the toolbox. And, and he realized that, hey, you know, this is so far advanced from what I've been dealing with the last seven years of Ganassi. This is going to work out really well for me. Mm-hmm. And I, it, you know, it's proven to be right. And, um, you know, I, I look at, you know, the, Having Chad Canals, you know, kind of the mastermind over there, and the guys won seven championships. It just stands to reason that with all the resources at Hendrick Motorsports, um, there, Kyle Kyle Larson now has no excuses not to go and thrive. And if he doesn't, then it's just on him. Right. And you know, something could happen on Sunday that you know could be out of the norm. But um, at the end of the day, he knows that everybody gave you know, everything that they had for him to win that title. And um, at the end of the day, it's really up to him, up to the pit crew, you know, up to the calls that Cliff Daniels make. Right. Lee, why are people not talking about Kevin Harvick? You know, Kevin Harvick for the longest time was so good at Phoenix, right? I mean, he was just like the man there. How come nobody's taking him into consideration this weekend? Is it because he's driving a, he is, a four? His, his numbers don't prove out since the reconfiguration. I think if you look at, at Kevin's statistics at, at Phoenix prior to the remodel and Kevin, you know, Kevin's uh, numbers since, uh, it, it's kind of like a night, night and day deal. And so I think that that's, you know, it, it doesn't suit him as well as it did when it was a, a flatter track. Mm. That's interesting because you would think that, uh, you know, I think Kevin Harvick's one of the uh, the better drivers in Cup, right? And, and you would think that he would be able to adapt to that over time, but it didn't seem like he's been able to do that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, and um, you know that I just for what you know for whatever reason, I mean, certain tracks suit certain people, and you know, it might have. Uh, you, you just don't know. It might be the way that this 
package drives on that track, I don't know. But, I mean, it's uh, it's really a night and day difference for Kevin Harvick since, mm-hmm. you know, NASCAR or since Phoenix reconfigured the racetrack. Let me ask you, Lee, are, are you satisfied with them? I know, I think I know your answer on this, but I want the listeners to hear it. But are you happy that they're moving the final race for the championship around, like to a place like Phoenix? Are you happy that they've taken it away from Homestead? I bet Kyle Larson wishes it still was at Homestead. Yeah, I, you know, he he probably does, and he was asked that question. But it, it, I think every driver we talk to wants to see the championship move around, and Phoenix has really welcomed um, you know, the race fans and, um, it, with the exception of the rental cars, which are like $500 a, mm-hmm. a day. I mean, it's, it's crazy, ridiculous. You think you're at spring training out here. Mm. Um, but that, you know, that being said, the drivers want to move it around. Um, this is a, you know, this is, uh, more of, I hate to say it, but it's more of a location. It's, it's going to be like Las Vegas where it's, you know, it's more of a, location track um you know coming out to a great venue come you know come for the racing stay for the golf or you know the sunshine the pool whatever um but i you know it's um i think that it needs to move around the problem is in november how many places can you take the championship right Right, so um you're kind of limited with with southern tracks for now and um, you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of options lie ahead. I mean, yesterday when Steve Phelps was in the media center, uh, they were, you know, knocking around whether or not we would ever see a change to the track in California uh, or Auto Club Speedway, right? Um, because the, the property out there, the value of that property that that track's on is very similar to what happened in Chicagoland. The property value is, you know, uh, worth so much. It's worth more than having a racetrack there. So um, these are a lot of um, decisions. There's going to be a lot of hard decisions that these um, track owners are going to have to make over the next few years because, you know, Homestead's another one, great track. But that whole area, you know, there's there's only so much real estate, and yeah. that's one of those areas where it's, um, you know, the the real estate, the land around the racetrack's worth a lot more than the racetrack itself. So, how many more uh, how, of, how many more years do you think Fontana is going to be around? If you were to guess, if I had to guess, I'd say next year. But they, you know, in in, in Steve's discussion, he said that they've sold land around it, and so mm. that kind of you know that's kind of the writing on the wall, and um, the you know with these sprawling populaces, it just keeps it, it just keeps getting um, you know the the real estate is just it's too valuable. And these you know think about it when NASCAR was just exploding, they built places out at you know they built tracks out in Joliet and right. out in Fontana, and it, you know there were nothing but fields, but that's not the case anymore, and yeah. so. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to see how everything, you know, what transpires over the next five years, because I think Chicago land, you know, might be the first of of many that end up, it won't be, you know, exactly Dale Jr.'s lost speedway, but, um, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to figure out, they're going to have to do cost analysis on these places and figure out what's best for the bottom line. I don't think that's going to happen at Kansas Speedway. No, though. I don't. I, no, because it's in Wyandotte County. But right. listen, you know, but look at look at look at Kansas Speedway from when they first put it out there. I mean, what well, was out there before that cornfield? Hey, but listen, right. no, 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 no. There was a lot of houses out there. 
and the unified government took a lot of people's houses and give them 125% of the value of their house. That's what happened out there. In, that's fact, in fact, Austin O'Neill, right. one of our producers here at Racing Boys, his his dad lived in turn three at Kansas Speedway, and they took their house from him. So they took a lot of people's houses from him, and there was a lot of people not happy about it, by the way. In, in fact, there, gotcha. was, there were several well, laws. Your Todd lives not far from there, right? Yeah, uh, he lives yeah. in Piper. He lives about, I don't know, five or ten minutes from the racetrack. But the, the, the thing about it is, is that Wyandotte County was maybe the poorest county in the state of Kansas, if, if I'm not correct. Is that right, Todd? It was, and then once they incorporated Piper, see, Piper wasn't part of Wyandotte County back in the day. They incorporated Piper for obvious reasons. You incorporate more. Drive up the value of the county exactly. as well. Exactly, so higher property taxes uh, brings up the everything around. And you know, when, like you said, with Piper out there being out, when Kansas Speedway, all that area, before, even before Kansas Speedway even was built out there, where the water tower was is right there right now. That was where my aunt and uncle's, my dad's aunt and uncle's, I had Christmases and, and Thanksgivings right there where that giant water tower is. But that was a big deal when they took over. All a lot that, of people did not want to yeah. give up their house. From the day the water tower moved in, where they d- intimate domained it, yep. to the point where they moved in and to the racetrack. That's well, the, ta- the tax base in Wyandotte County improved tremendously when Kansas Speedway was built and the development around it. Kansas Speedway is the anchor to all of that development. It's not going anywhere anytime well, soon. Well, and the soccer stadium and the T-Bone, the all Monarch Stadium. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Kansas Speedway is secure. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, Would I want to ask you. But, but hold on. Out there, had there not been the Speedway, though? What's that again? Would they have built the mall and the casino had there not been a race? No, no, no that that would have never happened. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's no, it. that would that would have <laughs> never happened. You know, there's another track that I think about that's going to kind of fall in that category, and I'm surprised it didn't happen when it was closed out. Nashville Super Speedway is so close to Nashville. You know, I'm I am shocked that they didn't sell that property when it was closed down and start building houses on that property. But they opened it well, back up I, this I year. Well, I tell you, though, the um, the Nashville Fairgrounds—that's the place where oh, yeah. they have built every kind of condo and living environment around that that mm-hmm. track, and it's uh, it's nowhere like it used to be there. Uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a completely different environment and and a lot of you know urban reclamation, and so. Um, yeah, the huge soccer stadium, I mean, it overshadows the fairgrounds at this point. So that's another, you know, I would think even more so there because of the close, you know, close, how, how close it is to the city. So, mm-hmm. but we'll be there in a few weeks too. Yeah. Hey, uh, you're up against it here just a little bit, but I wanted to uh, ask you about Martin Truex Jr. He did, what, what was going on in that practice yesterday? Well, I, I don't know. I didn't, you know, I haven't talked to James Small yet, but that's, that was uh, one of Martin's fears on on um, when we talked to him on Wednesday. I guess it was was getting di- dialed out of the, or Thursday dialed out of the car. Oh, wow. um, you know these they haven't had practice all year long, and he said it's going to go either one of two ways: we're going to get dialed in or we're going to get dialed out. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that uh, I mean I think he'll figure it out. I think he's good here. Um, I'm not worried about him. You know, if he has a day like Crafton had last night, you know, then oh my goodness. But um, I think I think I think once the race starts, that he'll be fine. I mean, certainly he needs a good qualifying effort today, but 
Um, Truex, you know, Truex is a perennial favorite, and you know he's also one of these guys who's really under the radar. But mm-hmm. I, I think at the end of the day, he usually perseveres. Uh, Lee, before we let you go, what you think about the races at the Charlotte Dirt Track? I wish I could tell tell you that I watched it. I saw bits and pieces, yeah. um, but I ha- didn't speak. I have to go back and watch it because honestly, it was right in the middle of the truck race. And by the time I got back to the hotel, all I did was ready. To, I was ready to sleep. But yeah. um, so we'll we'll talk about that later because since it's the season finale, then. Um, you know, we'll have plenty of time to watch the offseason. We'll have to rely on it. But yeah. um, I am going to Turkey Night here in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. Larson told me he's racing that, so that's awesome. And, uh, um, you know, fun and games uh, in California pretty soon. Did you tell me you were going to go to the Chili Bowl? Yes, I'll be at the Chili Bowl. Oh, good. Well, then you can come sit in on our – we're going to debut our Mostly Motorsports show down there on Monday, January 10th from 11 to 1230 and. Maybe you can come well, in. Well, you and might have to put a real co-host day. in this seat, right? Yeah, I, I, you might because Kirk's not going to yeah. be there. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's not going to be there, and I wasn't. That wasn't a dig at you, Kurt. I no, hope you understand no, that. No, hey, I'm perfectly. It felt like. It felt just, like. Hey, Kirk, it felt like. A I dig. am perfectly fine with that. That's <laughs> hey, I did, knows I love him. Hey, just uh, qu- he quickly that. comments about the truck race last night. Ben Rhodes winning the championship, and what do you expect in the Xfinity oh race tonight? You have to watch the Twitter. I hope you can find the Twitter from the beginning because he was two beer Ben, um, and the reason he said he had four, his wife was sitting behind us and said he had two. So he is a true lightweight, great guy, super guy. I mean, nice, sweetheart of a guy, um, but can't hold his booze. And, uh, yeah, that if you can find a video of it, and I put some of it up on Twitter, I started rolling a little late because our seats are up in the press box, and I don't have seats down there, so I hate um, live tweeting from that far away. But, yeah, um, yeah that's he, – He admitted he was a lightweight. He admitted that. He did. He did. He did. So who, who wins tonight, the Xfinity? Oh, boy. Uh, I really don't have that one. Um, yeah, Reed says Cendric. All right, all right. Um, I got to I gotta get through here. So. All right, we'll let you go. Thanks, Lee, for everything. Thanks, Lee. All right. Take care. All right, there you have it. Lee Spencer joining us here on Track Talk. She's going to be on the Sirius XM radio, I think, Speedway, coming up here. Press so, pass. Press pass. It? Yeah. So we'll listen to that. Really, to be honest with you, out of all the shows that are on Sirius Satellite NASCAR Radio, uh, Channel 90, Press Pass is the best show of them all. Yeah, I enjoy listening to that. I, 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 listen, I, I, sometimes I have a hard time taking Moody. He's a little too moody for me. He did do a good job. Moody did a good job uh, interviewing the top four drivers this past week. I don't know if you listen to those interviews or not, but I thought I, he did I, a really I, good job with those interviews. You know, I typically listen to the morning and the midday shows. I don't listen yeah. to uh, Moody that much. He uh, he especially did a great job with the Denny Hamlin interview, which I thought brought him out about, you know, Denny saying, hey, you know, I thrive on all this chaos. It's mm-hmm. good for me. Mm-hmm. So and I'm thinking, yep, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. It may work out. You know, if Denny Hamlin does the deal tomorrow and he wins a championship i'll say god bless you man you did it but i i'm skeptical that he's going to be able to pull that off we'll see it was a good night for toyota last night they they picked up the win and the championship right they swept it all yeah yeah the race win the championship manufacturer's title the whole deal Mm -hmm. 
So uh, it looks like Eric Alamarola is good to go because uh, Smithville Foods is signed back up with Stuart Haas Racing. That's good. So it looks like Stuart Haas has got it. They got a lot of work to do to get things back to where they want it. Mm-hmm. You think the fact that uh, Tony Stewart, he's he's drag racer now. He's focused in on the drag racing part. Yeah. You think that affected Stuart Haas maybe a little bit, what Tony is doing? Yeah. He's not around much with the Cup Series, it, it, it would seem, right now. He's all in on the drag racing. Yeah. Well, uh, Ricky Stenhouse, did you hear he got engaged this week? How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, good luck for Ricky. Thank God he didn't marry that, Danica. That, 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 Thank God. His, his new fiancée will be a better influence on it, him than Danica was? Danica was the worst fit ever for Ricky. <laughs> hey, is uh, Danica Patrick, was she still together with Aaron Rodgers? No, or was that, that no, long no, since no. passed? No, he figured her out, too. Yeah, He just figured her out a little quicker than Ricky did. And you're not going to see. Danica is not a nice person. No. She's not a nice person. Well, we know that. She is we've one had, of the rudest. We've had experience with she, that. Danica Patrick is one of the rudest people I've ever met in motorsports. Well, we went uh, this long time ago at Kansas Speedway. She came out. This is when they run IndyCar races at Kansas Speedway. She and a number of drivers showed up for a test session. And uh, I don't know, Todd, you were a part of that or not. Uh, but yeah. Todd, you yeah. Uh, you remember Danica, just, uh, she just no, acted. Hold on, Todd. You know, not, not a very friendly no, person. No, Todd remembers this story, I guarantee it. So we were out there. There was a team of people that came up from Mexico to do an interview with Danica. Uh-huh. Right? And Danica walked up. She looked at her watch. She says, you have five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And so we're doing the Q&A and everything, and everything's fine. And at five minutes, she says, I'm done, and walked away. And I, I don't believe those people from Mexico that flew all the way up here to get they an interview with they her. Didn't get they it. didn't get an interview no. with her. And she didn't care. <laughs> and she could care less. That's right. It's weird. You know, it's so strange with her because I've seen her the opposite way on, on some things, which is strange. Like when I was at the Chili Bowl, the and she was there, and it was the year that, Clawson, the you know the year Brian Clawson won, right. and she's real good friends with Brian's wife. Remember, they were all hanging out together kind of yeah, at the yeah. time because she was married, dating Ricky Stint or um, was it Ricky? Ricky Stint? at the yeah. time, yeah. And so I had a conversation. That was the year, the next, the year before that, I had broke my wrist, and I was, and she, we were having a conversation, and she was so happy that uh, he had won. She was just sitting there talking to everybody down there in Victory Lane. Which I thought it was a strange. Well, but that's down in the infield, away from the, the yeah the the public. Yeah, yeah. And the only other time I've seen her go far and above away, you know, above and away to go and help a fan out was I saw a girl dressed up in full Danica race gear, head to toe, had a giant sign. And Danica was doing, back when they used to do test days, she right. was backing out. They were pushing her car. She put her hand out the window and made her crew chief stop. She opened the window down, had that girl come over. She signed it and then took a picture with that girl. And then she pulled out. She was in the car. Never, and you never see them well, let ever. Me ta- let me so. tell you a story about her. One time, <laughs> and I think, it, I think it was Tony Pittman. Tony, confirm if you're listening to the show. But he had bought a Danica Patrick car. And she was standing there with Ricky and walked up 
and asked Danica to st- sign this car. And she said, step away, sir. <laughs> I'm not surprised about that at all. So if oh, I'm not mistaken, God. as the story goes, Tony went back, took the car back, bought a Ricky Stenhouse car, walked up to Ricky as he's standing next to her, and asked Ricky to sign the car. He grabbed the car and signed it. Of course. Ricky, you're in a much better place right now. Congratulations on your engagement. (laughs) Right. You are in a far better place now. Holy We know that. God bless you. I just can't stand her. I don't think he was, she was very good. I don't think she was a big fan of mine either, though. You remember that time, Kurt? Oh, yeah, the, the press conference out at uh, Kansas Speedway. Were you with us, you Todd, were at, you, were, you, were, you were grilling her, man. You were yeah, really, I was there you and were I left. really grilling she her with some tough questions. She wasn't me. happy with you yeah. at all. Uh, uh, I, she, I wish we had some tape of that. Maybe we've got some vid- tape of that somewhere. You know, because that's what we need for our teasers. That would be a good one right there. <laughs> I got up and left the room when after about. Were you uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she just won that race in Japan, right? Right. What year would that have been, Kirk? I don't know. It's mid-2005, somewhere in there, right, maybe. Right. I don't know. So anyway, she just won this race in Japan. Right. She was running fourth, and the three guys in front of her... Ran out of fuel. Needed fuel, had to come in and get fuel. Yeah. And so I asked Danica... I said, Danica, would you have weather? Does it matter to you winning that race on fuel mileage, or would you have rather won that race with them on your tail, uh, on on your uh, your tail wing, chasing you to the finish line? And she paused and looked at me for a good minute before she answered, and she goes, "I think you're trying to set me up," is what she said, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't she? Yeah, she was. She was she not was happy. Not with, happy with that question. No, and uh, you uh, you did a good job there. But uh, you know, we we might have some tape of that somewhere. I hope maybe we can dig that up sometime. That'd be cool yeah. if we could find that. Yeah, it's good stuff. That was a long time ago. That's right when you started with this, I think, wasn't it, Todd? Yeah, that was my I think first year, or maybe rated maybe the second year when I was starting to start because the first year I didn't go around with a lot of the stuff that you guys did i kind of just hung out i, I always ask the non-typical yeah questions it was sometime 2010 was the last indycar race they had out here yeah, so I, was sometime say, I, think back I, in the, I don't think i was with you guys in 2010 yeah. 2011 is when i think i was when i uh, and then 2012 is when i started doing everything with you guys but i like asking some uncomfortable questions but she was out there after the cup series too but this was back when she was uh driving indycars when you asked her those questions mm-hmm. so Anyway, it's... She uh, drove NASCAR five, six years? I think so. Something like that. You think if she'd had a better personality, better... She got along better with people, her her longevity might have been a little bit more? I don't know. Well, you... you, I mean, she did have some talent. You know, you got to believe that if she was that way with the general public, that she's probably that way with everybody. Yeah. Oh, you got to believe that. And that would get toxic after a while. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be around the person that has that kind of personality. that just wear you out. I don't know how you put up with me for 20 years, Kurt. Well, I wouldn't call you toxic personality. You're not you're not that. I'm not that bad. I don't <laughs> You're a you know that you're a much better guy than people would be led to believe. 
Oh, that's I don't know about that's don't, the truth don't, of the matter. Don't tell people that, Kirk. You know, I'm ruining your reputation, but I, I don't need that. You know, a lot a lot of this stuff that you put out there is not, you know, that it's it's not the right perception of you. I'll just know. put it that way. Uh, I don't know about all that, um, Kirk. So tonight, uh, there's going to be some good options on TV tonight, isn't there? To watch uh, some action. Well, we got the Xfinity race on uh, NBCSN tonight. That's I think that's seven thirty Central Time, I believe. And uh, you better tune in early in the day, like about noon our time at Charlotte for the World Finals, the dirt track. You better get in on that early because they're starting earlier in the day because of some bad weather forecasts laps, coming in. Hot laps at twelve thirty, right? Eastern time. Eastern time. Be 11, 11.30 our 11.30 time. Central time. So uh, it's going to be an afternoon show. And I, I get what they're wanting to do. That I looked at that forecast. It doesn't look very promising later in the day. So they want to get it all in. So it's a daytime show out mm-hmm. of Charlotte. All right. Joining us now on the show is one of the better guys in the, the motorsports industry. He is one of the very best. He's a pleasure to listen to. I've been listening to him the last couple nights at the Oval Nationals. Scott Delosio joins us now. Scott, how you doing, my friend? Doing good. How about you guys? Ah, we're, man, we're great. That great racing out there at Paris Auto Speedway. Hey, buddy, thanks for getting up early for us today. You know, I was actually just talking to your screener. I'm a, I've been up two or three hours already. I'm an early riser. Oh, that's good. Then it worked out good for us. Then well, we don't feel so oh, bad yeah. about waking you up. Then hey, listen, night, no, no problem. Night number one. Of the Oval Nationals, when they come across the line nearly three wide for first, second, and third, what a fantastic finish that was. Oh, it was spectacular, you know. And, uh, I mean, to add to it, it's Jake Swanson's such a great guy. Yep. It's the racetrack he grew up at, and it's his first ever national win. I mean, that was storybook stuff. And one of the best comments is our infield announcer, Chris Holt, was standing just on the other side of the crash wall. And he said when he saw Jake go wide coming out of the corner, it was three abreast. Mm. He started backing up away from the wall because he thought something was going to happen. Right. You know, and Jake just flat said, he goes, I was going to win it or wear it. Yeah. Not many many drivers would have been able to pull that off. Everybody talks about the great driving talent Jake Swanson has. There's not many drivers could have pulled that off. No, and you know, Jake... um, you're taking on a monster when you first go back and run the USAC National Sprint Car Series. And he did good the first year. Last year, with that was last year. Did good in the Silver Crown Cars. And this year, he's been so close quite right. a few times. Yeah. Um, and he's won. He's won several races. I think he's won over 10 races back there on the local circuit, which is, that's no easy thing to do in Indiana. Right, no doubt. But like I say, to, to come on and do it in front of his friends out here and his family, that was just sensational. You know, the raw emotions of that victory. I mean, when he was driving around in the car, you see him giving the the left-handed fist pump. And when he got out of the car, how excited he was. He, he couldn't get out of the car quick enough, right? I mean, he yeah, he that's... was so anxious to get out of that car and stand up on the cage. And it, 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 you, you could sense the excitement just in his body language. Yeah, when Chris Holt, we were talking yesterday on the way to the races, and he was going, he was literally shaking <laughs> when he got out of that car. Yeah. 
Well, he had to beat a couple good guys doing it too, by the way. Um, and, and you know, it was surprising to me because Brady didn't seem like he had the speed for the top two cars, right? He was just kind of laying back there and he was sitting back there about two or three, four car lengths back. But on that last lap, he made a good run and almost got second place going down the back straightaway and then come home to the inside about a half car off the lead. That 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 was a pretty remarkable uh, comeback for Brady there at the end of that race too. Yeah, and what you just said, he was what you tell somebody, he was a half car shy at the checkered flag, and then you had two, but he goes, but he finished in third place. Well, you know, yeah. How often do you see that? No, not often. Yeah, track you know, prep. That, Go ahead. No, that finish when they crossed the line, I didn't know. And no, nobody, you replay, couldn't tell. I, I started announcing who finished third. Yeah. Yeah, you actually, I mean, this one of the rare times that you actually, even when you stop frame the photo at the finish, you still couldn't tell who won that thing. I mean, I've never seen a race that close. No, that was, I mean, that was literally amazing. And you see some of the shots people posted online of the finish, and it's like, you know, it looks like you won by about four inches. Yeah. So they just got just I said to people. One thing I said to people is like Jake Swanson led twice in the main event, about a hundred yards down the back straightaway <laughs> at one point in the race, and about the last twelve inches, and those last twelve inches paid some big bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, it, but you know, for the people listening, the transponder—that's what you go by on the deal like that, right? Yeah, and you know, thankful for transponders because you can have four people who saw that. You know, actually, when I saw it, I thought maybe Kevin Thomas Jr. had. I did, I did too. I, I did too. You know, if you look at the flag stand, right as they come up to the flag stand, that when they freeze frame it there, it looks like he's just ahead. But when they show him going past the flag stand on the other side, then it was obvious who the winner was, right? To me. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it all depends on where that loop is on any racetrack. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm. There was a great race, though, I think it was at Canyon Speedway Park about 10 years ago. And the guy who crossed under the flag stand was clearly a half car length ahead, but the guy who, well, the loop was way back down the straightaway in that racetrack. Oh. oh. Coming off four, hmm. which was crazy. And the guy who they gave the win to was leading as they came off four. Oh. Um. Well, you know, th that that's a responsibility of the racetrack to let everybody know where that line is, right? Exactly. So they, they know where they're racing to, right? Um, last, right? Last night, Justin Grant looked like he was on his way, but he had a broken nozzle line, and uh, it couldn't have happened at a worse time on that last lap. Oh, what a tough break for him. You know, yeah. I, he actually slapped the wall coming off turn four, and if you listen to my call the race, I thought he flattened his tire. I did too. Yeah, I thought he had a flat tire. That's what I thought. You know, then Dean Mills told me not long after, texted me, he goes, "No, he had the nozzle line came off." But tough break for him. He's another guy who's done really well, like Brady Bacon in the Oval Masters preliminaries mm -hmm. before, and uh, still hasn't got the win on the big night. But those are two guys. You can't count those guys out on any night when they're at the racetrack. Yeah, Justin Grant, that's kind of like his story at the Chili Bowl. You know, the preliminary, not, you know, but winning the big prize. Those are still out there for Justin Grant. Yeah. Um, you know, those guys tonight, the top six are going to be in a Super Six dash, uh, which will determine that dash will determine where they line up for the main event. 
you know, the first three rows. So, uh, yeah. you know, all the top USAC guys, Jake's in there, Justin Grant, Kevin Thomas Jr., of course, Brady's in there. That's going to decide the first three rows of the main event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all likelihood, it probably could determine who's going to win it. But we think back to 2015, which is my most memorable Oval Nationals, because coming up turn two, the Friday night preliminary, Brian Clawson blew an engine. Hmm. And oh boy! They did not have another engine with them that night, that weekend. Brian Clawson that night got in his truck. He didn't send a crew. Got in his truck, drove to Phoenix, Arizona, picked up an engine, drove it back, dropped it off with his crew. He wanted his crew to get a good night's sleep, be ready for the races. Dropped it off the track, went back to the hotel, got a couple hours sleep. They put the engine in. He started in the middle of the pack. And he won that main event. So it's still possible to win from anywhere, and that guy proved it. And well, that, BC was as good as they get. Though. That would have been right. his last Oval Nationals, too, because unfortunately we lost him the next uh, August. Right. So. Yeah, correct. That was, you know, just still hard to believe. So yeah. T- Tanner Thorson, a part of that group tonight, too? What, what are you thinking about his chances? He's always got a good chance. You know, he's got a good race car. Uh, you know, he's been fast both nights, and they actually changed engines on uh, for yesterday, and he was still fast. Um, you can never count that guy out wherever he goes, and you can never count that team out. You know, that guy, Andy Reinbold, Reinbold Underwood Racing, mm-hmm. they give those guys who drive for them whatever they need. Yeah. But- and when you've got a crew or a team doing that, and a driver capable like him, I mean, you're talking the guy leading the rookie standings by 2,000 yards if it was an NFL game, and he's got three wins this year against the best of the best. Wouldn't you think, though, that the winner has to come out of maybe the top three rows tonight? Oh, no, no, I agree with that. I mean, it would be a shock if not, but if somebody does come from further back in the field like Clawson did, it's going to be one heck of a show. Yeah, for sure. Um I, I, I tell people all the time, I've had one visit out there, and, and, and it's great to see that Jeff's out there shooting video for you guys. It's like it's like bringing the band back together almost out there, right? It, you know, we drove up. Uh, Jeff wasn't there on uh, Thursday, and Chris Holton and I drove up yesterday. We usually drive in together. We do a video on the way to the races. Right, I've seen it. And there's we see some guy just, you know, unloading some stuff. I didn't know who it was. We get close to him. It's like, that's Jeff. You know, and he had Jolie with him. We met her for the first time. But Jeff was, you know, he was not only a part of our sprint car family for years. He did all of our stock car stuff, too. Right, yeah. And he did he did the off-road stuff on Sundays we tried to do. We were going to revolutionize off-road racing. And uh, we had about, I think one day we had seven people in the stand. So that didn't last long. The, um, the, but it was just, you know, like you say, just to see Jeff back there the first time in seven years. You know, he was such a popular part of our crew when he was there and his shadow his dog was with him all the time right um it was just great to see that guy back and look forward to seeing again tonight hopefully we'll see him more in the future yeah yeah well unfortunately shadow not with us any longer but uh shadow was a big part of paris speedway because when i came out there that year shadow was up there with jeff hanging out with him yeah 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 that shadow was, cool. was always at the races there i was telling jeff i remember the time he left shadow in the press box you know, we got a sliding glass door into where our studio booth is. And the promoter, Jeff left Shadow down there with us. 
mm-hmm. and promote her down because there I went to walk in the door and Shadow just laid down the law, you know. You Shadow wasn't letting down the promoter back in the booth. It's like, Shadow, he owns a place. Be cool. Shadow, back up a little bit here, bud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, uh, Paris Auto Speedway is one of the nicest racetracks in the country, and and it's blessed to have you as the announcer there as well, Scott. I mean, uh, listening to your call the last couple nights has been nothing but a pleasure for the listening ear and uh, the way that you go about your professionalism is is really right up there at the top with the best of them. Well, I don't know about any of that. I just, you know, my whole deal, I don't consider myself an announcer. I consider myself a fan first. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's the most important thing to me. You know, and another thing about that, this is the success of Paris Auto Speedway is due to one person, and that's Don Kazarian. Mm. Um, he is a fan. He loves racing. You know, it's it's a rare thing. This is 25 years for the racetrack this year, We're wrapping up season 25, which last year we got one whole night in before chaos hit. Um, but he has been in charge every single season. That's kind of rare in racing today. Um, I can think of only one other promoter on the West Coast who's been, uh, been doing it longer, and that's Jim Naylor at Ventura, and he's wrapping up season 44, 45. Crazy. Since he took over that track. And it's, you know, you talk to him, and I talk to him a lot. I've known him since the early 80s. And, you know, things will be going down and stuff, and he'll be moaning. It's like, you know what, though? You love it, and that's why you're doing it. You're not making a million dollars, that's for sure. Hey, uh, Scott, talk about that track. This racetrack is just in excellent condition these last two nights. That can't be understated how important that is to see this great race and the track prep. Just kind of talk about that a little bit at Paris. Well, you know, it's just one of those deals. You know, Don Kazarian has been behind the track prep for years. I mean, he's the main man, uh, makes the calls on that, and he's got a guy named Rick Fulton, we call him Coach, who's been, uh, I don't know, Rick's been doing it probably 15 years helping Don doing it and doing a ton of the work on it. And those two guys together, you know, they're like uh, Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers. They know how to put a good product on for the fans. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's not, you know, I've worked at a lot of different racetracks off and on over the years. And, you know, we get to a track and we'll start taking dust and wheel packing. And the promoters, I don't know why I didn't do that. We started watering at 10 this morning. You know, they start prepping the track at Paris, usually for a Saturday night race on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, it's a you full-time know, job. Oh, it is. You don't, you just can't lay water on it, you know, four hours before the show starts. No. no you yeah. know, Bubby Jones, in the old days when he was there helping us, he'd walk out there on Wednesday morning and be cold and damp. Like right now, it's really nice. It's cold and damp out here. Um, but you see Bubby Jones out on that tractor. You know, you should turn laps in a sprint car, just lap after lap after lap. You know, him and Don Kazarian in the water truck out there for hours on end, middle of the week, just getting ready for Saturday night. Well, if that if that all didn't happen, we wouldn't see the great racing that we've seen the last two nights, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. No, he, Don Kazarian's very conscious of that. You know, he's when the track ain't right, he's not happy. If it's not right, the wind better be blowing. <laughs> uh, you know, and there's no excuse to me even when it's 100 degrees out. If you can get enough water on the track, it's fine. The thing that's worse on a racetrack than anything is wind. Yeah, no doubt. Fortunately, we get wind in the afternoon, but usually right around 6 o'clock it lays down. 
Well, you know, it, 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 it's glad to know that there's promoters out there that actually care about their track conditions because in my travels around the country, not all do that, right? Not, not everybody. Sometimes promoters give you what they, what you get, and that's what you get all night long, and they don't go out and rework it, try to till it up, try to make it better. They just let it go for the entire night. I've seen that happen too many times, so it's nice to know when a promoter really cares about what the surface is all about. You see and when we have breaks before intermission and stuff, and like last night, I mean, they went out there and reworked the turns. We do a deal. We started about four years ago. We're not doing it in the Oval Nassau, but all our normal races, whether it's stock cars, sprint cars, night of destruction, intermission, all the cars on the front straightaway with candy for the kids for about a half an hour. And all the fans get to go out there and meet the drivers. Well, while that's all going on, you watch what's going on in the corners. They're reworking the corners every single race. Yeah, and that that makes a difference when it comes to feature time, which is the most important race of the whole night. You you want it to be at its best when the features roll out, and that's what it's all about. What uh, what what's coming? Is this uh, you got another weekend of racing coming up? Uh, what else is going to be coming up at Paris after this weekend? We have two races to go. We finish up with our stock cars, super stock, street stocks, and modifieds next Saturday night, which we've had a great season with those guys. And then our biggest show, as it is at a lot of racetracks around the country, December or November 20th, it's Night of Destruction. Mm. You know, and it's I'm a, I'm a race fan. I, I'm not saying anything against Night of Destruction because I enjoy it too. But that's what puts more people in most racetracks than anywhere else in the nation right now. Right, right. You know, talking to promoters from different parts of the country, you know, they're saying our biggest crowds come out to see that. Well, you know, those kind of events plus monster trucks, they're really popular. People like to see stuff tore up, right? Yeah, you know, people like to see stuff torn up, and kids enjoy those shows uh, big time seeing the chaos. So it's a very important part to many racetracks because the amount of people they pack in, that helps when the shows, you know, that. You know, our stock car show is our lowest-drawing show of the three. Um, but, you know, Night of Destruction draws such big crowds, it helps everything else throughout the year. Mm. All right, bud. Well, and then we got, not to forget, the 80th running of the Turkey Night Grand Prix, 80 years. Uh, Longest-running race in the country behind the Indianapolis 500. That's going to be at the Ventura Raceway. And it actually moved it this year. It's traditionally been on Thanksgiving night. Right. And this is going to be the first year it's on Saturday after Thanksgiving. Really? Why'd they do that? Just draw bigger crowds, huh? Yeah. You know, so many people have to stay home. It's not... When they used to have it at Ascot in the 1970s and 80s, you know, and they'd get 100 cars and stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. it was just the thing to do to be there. And it seems like more and more people, you know, they have a duty to stay home. Sure. So, you know, the promoter, Jim Naylor, he kind of went to the Agajanians, proposed the idea to him, and from what he said, they were a little leery at first, but, you know, they came around and agreed. You know, there are a certain amount of people who are staying home on Thanksgiving who now can come to the races. Right. And it's all part of a big weekend. Thanksgiving weekend is all encompassed from Thursday through Sunday anyway. So I Yeah, exactly. Sense. You know, they run uh, they run a preliminary, preliminary night on Friday nights, uh, which will be just the heat races for the sprint cars. The midgets are going to practice, and then everything will be full-blown on Saturday. And this guy, well, that's the guy you got to talk to sometimes, Jim Naylor. He's, like I say, he's been doing it 44 years. He builds these amazing trophies. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of these mm-hmm. things. 
um, one year, two or three years ago, the winner's trophy, and it's a big size trophy, um, was Ray Haroon's car. And he made, he makes these all by hand. It's not a model. He makes these all by oh, hand wow. out of metal. He had J.C. Agajanian Sr. in the driver's seat with a Stetson it. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, that's yeah. that if is cool. If I still cool. have pictures of them, I'll try to forward it to you. It's just amazing. Yeah. This year, two years ago, the last time they ran Turkey Night, it was the Gary Zerunian midget that Sleepy Trip drove for years. Mm. And the craftsmanship in these is amazing. And he, I was talking to him earlier this week, and he's finishing up this year's trophy. The car is the car that won the first ever Turkey Night Grand Prix. Wow. Hey, uh, let me, do you guys run Modifieds out there on your weekly show? Yeah, yeah. Some modifieds. We run IMCA Modifieds. This year we had a, had a guy step up. He used to race. He wants to be an anonymous donor. And he came to Don near the end of 2019. He said, hey, I want to I wanna pay the super stocks guaranteed 1500 bucks to win every race. Wow. So Don said, yeah, that's cool. We can do that. Heck yeah. Well, he came back a few weeks later, and he said, you know, I'd like to do the same thing for the street stocks, but wow. a 1,000 win the street stocks. Wow, nice. Then he comes back, and he goes, you know, I want to do the same thing for the modifieds, where they get guaranteed 1,500 to win, and our factory stocks, which has always been a trophy-only class. He goes, I want to give those guys $1,000 a night, 500 to win, 300 per second, 200 for third. Now, what what's this gentleman do for a living? That's what I want to know. I have no idea, actually. No idea. Oh, okay. He got running. cars for years. <laughs> real quiet guy. Um, he he upped the ante for one race this year. It was our last race. It was a fan appreciation night where for the street stocks, super stocks, and modified, he upped the winner's purse to, or winner's pay to $2,500 that night. A thousand for second in all those classes, mm. and he paid the factory stocks a thousand to win, and he's dumped money into the point fund. Ah, man, that is crazy. Uh, so, uh, is the mo- the reason I bring up the modifieds is back here in the Midwest, we're starting to see the modifieds because of the cost of modifieds. They're kind of, the the car counts are starting to drop a little bit, but I would say maybe with that amount of money that they might still be strong out in that area. Are you getting good car counts with the modifieds? We're getting around 23, 24 a night. Yeah, that's a full field. Um, the last two races of the year, it's been down a bit. I mean, the night when it paid 2400 or 2500 and 1000 per second, I think that was our lowest car count of the year. Isn't that but funny that, how that happens sometimes? Well, you know, I tell people, look at sprint car races in the Midwest, and you mm. see, you know, like the USAC series paying ten grand to win, and they'll have... 35, or excuse me, 28 cars at the track they're racing on, another track in Indiana, 200 miles away, paying 1500 and they'll have 40-some cars. Mm-hmm. You know, because guys, you know, they know they don't have a chance at times. Yep. And that may have been something to do with that. Plus, it was our first race after the IMCA season ended, so there wasn't, uh, you know, there were no IMCA points up for that. But overall, our, our modified count's been pretty darn good. You know, back to that guy once for one moment. Do you know who Robbie Sawyer is? Robbie? That rings a bell. IMCA modified. Never saw a conversation he didn't like. Um, outrageous guy at times. Really funny. And he won the $2,500 to win modified race. Mm. And 
he got up there with a great, great victory speech after. And he said, you know, I don't know who this modifier or this guy's putting all this money up is. He goes, but on behalf of everybody, myself and all the drivers, really want to thank him. And if he's here tonight, and the guy was here, he goes, I want him to come down my pits, have a beer with me after so I can shake his hand, and I'll give him a free T-shirt. How cool is that? That's awesome. So I had Robbie on a radio show the next day, and I texted him before, you know, give him the time to be on the radio show out here. And I said, hey, that guy was there last night. And he goes, we really appreciate you saying that. And he goes, yeah, he was there. He goes, he came down my pit after the races. Did he have a beer with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. That's great stuff. Well, Scott, we really appreciate you getting up early to take time with us on Track Talk here this morning. Uh, It's a pleasure. We'll be watching tonight. We'll be listening to your great pipes. Can't wait. It should be a great one. Uh, You're probably not in the business of picking winners, are you? Well, I'd pick with my heart, though. But you know what? I'll pick Jake Swanson. That's kind of with my heart, too. I I, kind of figured that's where you were going to go. You know, he's going to be starting off the pole in the dash, I believe. And he is a high point guy, so he should be starting on the pole in the dash. Um, That gives him the advantage going into into tonight's main event, if he can win that start up front. Actually, you know, Paris Auto Speedway, you usually want to start outside row number two. but I'd really like to see it when you, it was, I've always enjoyed when I've had friends being able to announce, hold on. I got a dog tearing my hand up. Actually, the dog's name is old bub after Bubby Jones. Stop that. Uh, that's um, appropriate. But after named after Bubby, love that. After yeah. Bubby Jones, yeah, um, that's Jeff awesome. Dyer, the sprint car racer out here. He had a litter of pups. I've got two other pugs and he goes, I'm going to give you one. Oh, great. Well, Bubby, Bubby, yeah. Jones, Bubby Jones was a long time favorite of mine watching races back in the day. We're actually doing a tribute to Bubby Jones before the race. Outstanding. Oh, great. Because great. Awesome. Bubby, you know, he passed away early 2019. It was January. That's where I got the dog, like, the next week. It's like there was no doubt who we were going to name it after old Bub. Um, but we never got to salute Bubby, who was such a very important part, not only to Paris Auto Speedway, but you went back to the 1980s, you know, early 80s. Yep. When he came to California, he drove for the Kazarian family. Mm-hmm and won championships, and he actually worked for the Kazarian family for years and years in their other business. And then when Paris Auto Speedway opened, you know, Bubby was helped design the track and would do anything to help. Like I say, Bubby Jones, I'm sure he didn't want to be on a tractor going around the track for three mm-hmm. hours on a Wednesday morning, um, but he did it. And uh, tonight we're going to honor Bubby before the race. We oh, finally can't get wait cool. to see that. You can't know, uh, uh, that. Back, back to your pick, uh, Jake Swanson. He was fast qualifier last night, right? Yes, he was. Yeah. I mean, he ran a 1643, yeah. and uh, Kevin Thomas Jr. ran a 1648, and Tanner Thorson ran a 1650 with an 8. Kind of like the old drag racers. A sixteen fifty yeah, with an yeah. eight. <laughs> hey, uh, before I yeah. let you go, what's going on with the demon, Damian Gardner? Not, not really running all that stellar. I want to know. I, I, first of all, I want to know why uh, Robert Blue is not out there this weekend. You know, from what I was told, there's him and Chase Stocking. Um, they're pretty much locked in. That's what I was told. So unofficially, you know, I don't know how true it is. Him and Chase Stocking both did not come out. They never missed but they're pretty much locked in to where they're going to finish in the standings. 
So being out here, you know, it's the top ten get the big money in USAC. Right. Uh, coming out here was not really going to change anything, and with what it costs to come out these days, save the money. Yeah, you know, yeah. save the money. I mean, love to have Robert here. He's always a good quote. He's a guy at Terre Haute when he won a main event this year. Yeah, I think he won the main event that night, and Jake finished second. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things Robert said was, you know, hopefully we can get Jake a win before the year is out. Well, so I thought that was really, really cool. I think Robert won it at Eldora, did he? he yeah, did. Early in the year? Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Uh, Robert's yeah, one of my favorites. Where he gave that speech after the race. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Robert's definitely one of my favorites. And like you say, he's always good for a good quote as well. well Scott, yeah, he shoots, he shoots from the hip. Scott, we appreciate you taking the time again. Good luck with the broadcast today. Uh, we can't wait to watch tonight. It should be a barn burner of a show. And, again, thanks for taking the time with us here today. Man, I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. We appreciate it from Paris Auto Speedway that you guys give us time to talk about our track. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys out here sometime in the near future. 2022 season opener isn't all that far away. It's on my bucket list. Would love to go. Thank you, Scott. We'd love to see you out here. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate you. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. right. There he is, Scott Delosio, the announcer at Paris Auto Speedway. I'd like to go to the Oval National sometime. I would, too. Maybe next year. Maybe. You know where I want to go next year? I want to go to that cup race at the L.A. Coliseum. Oh, man. That's where I want to go. Maybe maybe the Coliseum is where they ought to end the championships, right? Right. Have... Have the uh, at little quarter mile track at the L.A. Coliseum to decide the championship weekend. Right, that would be something, wouldn't it? Sure would. All right, hey, we want to remind everybody again. Mostly motorsports. The new show that I'll be hosting will start January 10th at the Chili Bowl Midget Nationals. It will air live daily, and that will be from 11 to 12:30, Monday through Friday. Austin O'Neill going to be uh, one of our new producers here for that show so we're looking forward to that as well it's going to be a lot of fun can't wait to get down there what what a better place to debut the show than the chili bowl midget nationals oh perfect place be plenty beginning of, of the year starting off the new year yeah i think we'll have plenty of guests down there you won't have any issues getting guests lined getting up for guests that. lined up yeah for sure everybody shows up at the chili bowl All right, again, we want to thank our uh, guest today, Lenny Batiki, Lee Spencer, Scott Delosio, for joining us on the show. It's been a good show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in as well. I got one reminder. We do have one weekend of live video left left on Racing Boys. It's coming up uh, two weekends from now. November 19th and 20th, we're going to be doing the American Back of Oklahoma ASCS Sooner Region Weekend that season finale two night weekend at Caney Valley Speedway Friday and Saturday November nineteenth and twentieth live on Racing Boys. That's at Caney, Caney Valley. Yep. All right. So that'll be our final uh, live broadcast of the year, won't it, Kurt? Yeah. They yep. had race uh, down at uh, Caney Valley last night. The Power Eye National Midgets were down there last night, and uh, I didn't I didn't see the race. I was so tied up with what was going on at Charlotte and the Oval Nationals. Uh, but the, they're going to have another one uh, tonight. And they had, uh, I was looking for the results, Bryant Wiedemann victorious in mm. his uh, victory lane debut. 
Uh, is that going to be picture. on uh, Mav Plus? I think that's on Mav Plus. All right. So, anyway, congratulations to uh, Bryant Wiedemann yeah. last no. night down at Caney Valley. Listen, the guys over at Mav do it as good as anybody, folks. I'm telling you right now, and we couldn't be happier that Lucas Oil Products is the sponsor of this show. And we want to thank Forrest Lucas, Brandon Bernstein, Dave Wanzer, all the great people over there at Lucas Oil Products for believing in the Racing Boys now for 12 years, folks. Lucas has been a partner of the Racing Boys now for 12 years, and we couldn't thank them enough. Oh, uh, just one other thing. Uh, Creek County Speedway had the uh, now 600 micros there last night. Mm -hmm. Frank Flood was one of the winners. He won in the uh, stock non-wing division last night. And it was Braxton Wilson in the winged A class and Chase McDougall in the restricted class. The winners last night, they're going to do it again tonight down at Creek County. I think that closes out the season at Creek County yeah, uh, this weekend. It does. So there you go. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, I want to thank uh, Todd, Adam, Austin for their hard work behind the scenes here at Racing Boys HQ. We're going to do it all over again next week, folks. Again, don't forget. Now you can find Track Talk wherever you find your favorite podcast. Wherever that is, you can find it. We'll be there. We hope that you'll join us uh, and listen to our podcast if you weren't able to listen to the show in its entirety today live here on Sports Radio 810 WHB and RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. Again, for all the folks here at Racing Boys, for my partner Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer saying we'll see you next week right here on Lucas Oil Products. Track Talk. As your power steering pump ages, seal leaks may occur, causing the power steering system to lose fluid. Your power steering system may also develop an annoying squeal, and the steering may become more difficult to handle. By using Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak, you will stop the seal leaks, reduce slack in rack and pinion, eliminate the squeals and hard spots in your power steering system. It is guaranteed to stop seal leaks for your money back. Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak. 